Welcome to Caritas Christi, a real and raw podcast with real women and real faith, where we apply the feminine genius to look at the current events of this world, our faith lives, and other things that are relevant to young Catholic women today. Thank you for joining us. Happy Thursday. Yep. Hi, this is Caritas Christi, and this is Hannah. And this is Mary. Welcome. Welcome. We have a special guest for our Dairy's Fault, but before um, we introduce uh, him and his inspirational quote, we're going to start with prayer. In nomine Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto, Amen. Saint Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, into thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Nomine Patri, Filio, Spiritui Sancto. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right, and today, uh, the inspirational quote is from G.K. Chesterton, i.e. Christian, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, says, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. Oof. Facts. That's good. Yep. All right, yep. well, Christian, welcome. Welcome. Hello. <laughs> um, so what... What? Your mic is here. I know, but <laughs> he's over there. I know. <laughs> okay. He can hear you though. The mic can't when you do that. Oh, but I'm like <laughs> here. I'm gonna like move it closer. <laughs> Sorry, this is raw. This is raw podcast. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> there's no worry for mistakes here. Oh, good. You good? Glad. There All we right. Go. I'll so <laughs> what? What inspired? What's what's inspired? <laughs> Why'd you pick this quote as your favorite quote? It it's really had a lot of impact with me on me since I looked it up this morning and now I think I think it's a good quote in that uh, a lot of the issues that people have um, with Christianity come from what it means for it to be true and that connects to with the discussion um, about theism in general of if God's real or not there are certain uh, conclusions that you have to come to if you accept that premise. And I think that's what stops a lot of people is the um, implied conclusions of what you're saying if something like God is real or you know the Catholic Church is the one true church or something like that is true. Mm. Chesterton just says it very well because that's what he does. I mean, he is a very witty person. Um, so yeah, y'all, this is Christian. Um, <laughs> Is he introducing um, himself, or are you introducing him? Um, well, do you want me to... Go for it. I would love to hear my profile, <laughs> my bio here. Um, mm. Well, I guess um, Hannah and I met you back in, like, May? Yeah? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, May. Yeah, we introduced ourselves, and... Um, Shortly after I became... I, ch- I looked this morning on my, my little certificate thingy. It was April 3rd. Ooh. was when I was officially... Yeah. Branded. Yeah. You're so this is your Baby first, Catholic. This is your first advent. Yes, it is. That's so exciting. Well the other one I mean the other one was like RCIA. Right. But this but is like your first as yeah, one as full as I was a catechumen. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so um I guess we'll hear more of your story later, but um yeah, I don't know. Um it's just his story is really cool, so we thought we'd bring it to y'all. Um he works in Financial tech <laughs> fraud, right? Yeah, yeah. financial compliance, what's... something like that. <laughs> yeah, he, what's... he works for money laundering. <laughs> yeah, I, I launder money professionally. <laughs> um, 
He has a dog named Holly. I almost <laughs> forgot. From the office, yeah. <laughs> and a cat named Annie. Do you still have basement cat? Basement no, cat. No, he has he has Four gone to a better place, yeah. Oof. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I mean, basement ha- cat has a scent. No, he's still alive. He's just oh, yeah, somewhere else. Somewhere else, yeah. <laughs> Not in my basement. Okay. okay. <laughs> so I'll leave that there. <laughs> um, before we go into like, so we'll do um, soul saying, which is basically um, just kind of like fun little things to get to know about yourself. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we get into it? Uh, no, go about ahead. yourself is that we missed out on your show. I mean, oh, I'm- you know what? You actually have a cool kind of history. I, I mean, you do before, before the, even the, the faith part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was homeschooled, mm-hmm. brought up Baptist, um, raised, going to church pretty often. We were a big part of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, like mom taught Sunday school and dad drove a school bus and stuff like that, or a church bus and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, which is kind of funny to think about that. We had a whole fleet of buses that would go pick people up on Sunday and like just decommissioned school buses. <laughs> They would do that on. Um, But then we kind of pulled away from the church uh, when I was maybe like 13 or something. And then I was a bona fide atheist for a while till college. uh, Well, throughout college. um, Until, I guess, relatively recently. Mm. But yeah. As far as family history goes, my grandparents were Amish, Mm -hmm. which is fun. That is really fun. But not when I was alive. So that didn't really affect my life at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were Amish till they were about 18, 18 right? Yeah, 18, yeah. something like And that. then their community kind of dispersed because that's kind of what happens. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of, as far as like in the traditional sense of Amish people, all of the traditions were very splintered depending on where you were and uh, <laughs> depending on your community because that's how the rules were written. You'd basically have like a charter for a community. Um, and the leaders would come together and determine. And if you didn't like the rules, you would go somewhere else where you agreed with the rules. And that splintered down, and most of them became Mennonite. And then a lot of the Mennonite churches have become non-denominational since mm-hmm. the... Uh, I think the main thing was the um, Mennonite church recently allowed... Um, I think it was like uh, openly gay pastors or something like that. There was something that happened with like oh, the boy. overall leadership of the church that caused a lot of... Uh, a lot of them to just go non-denominational, which is what happened to kind of the community my grandparents were raised in. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so Christian has an interesting story. So, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, well, and actually, um, I was at your because um, for some family stuff that you had, I was at your your church, and there was literally like it was a Mennonite hymnal book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I was like, wow. There's the vestiges, because that's only been like the last few years, I think. There's the vestiges of a lot of that stuff um, still present, but it's, yeah, like my grandpa had a German, German-English German Bible. Do we still have stuff like that? Old mm-hmm. prayer books from like the 1700s, 1600s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, it's the same thing. It just gets fractured over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was I was always brought up Baptist- which was just primarily, and not like, obviously Baptists are very different depending on what church you're going to, because that's how a lot of them are started. The church breeds the community, mm-hmm. uh, in a sense. Um, so, you know, some of them have stronger views about some things, but it was kind of a, I would say, more traditional Baptist, very, you know, King James Version of the Bible, um, but very, like, 
specific about certain teachings, more of like a traditional Baptist community. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much Southern Baptist. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So, also, what do we have in Hannah today? What are we having? What are we having? What are we having? Sorry, well, before we get into the interview <laughs> about you. Hannah's not having any cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I'm not having, having any cheese, of that. Except for Hannah. Yes. <laughs> there was a quote on cheese, actually, that I found when I was not looking up Chesterton quotes for today. Um, <laughs> but it was like, poets have remained remarkably si- silent on the subject, subject of, cheese. of cheese. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I will continue to remain silent about it unless I write a poem about how it destroys me from the inside out i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) that'd be an interesting gives me a head cold yeah but we're having um wine and basically a charcuterie board of a bunch of cheeses and prosciutto and some some salami Mm -hmm. and fruit so there's not all dairy yes and actually the crackers are also vegan so they don't have any dairy nice Mm -hmm. no animals died in the making of these crackers (laughs) basically (laughs) it's great all right so, this is supposed to be rapid-fire style, as much as possible. So, it's called Soul Sing. This is the section where I ask, what types of the following make your soul sing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my soul maybe like, it hums sometimes, <laughs> but doesn't necessarily... But I, cool. I understand this. All right, can you... Yeah, okay. Yeah. Just for the, for the spirit of this the spirit, segment. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, what types of food make your soul sing? Um, I mean, it's pretty basic. I like really good steak stuff like Ooh. that lobster is good mm-hmm. shrimp i really like seafood you do like um yeah. chinese food uh, spicy stuff sushi i'm a really big fan of a good soup Ooh. good hearty soup Ooh. um i'm not very picky when it comes to food yeah good food but it seems like overall- i'm still i'm very midwestern so it's still like mashed potatoes <laughs> and ham is fine as well yeah but so it sounds overall you like your meat, though, for sure. Definitely, yeah. The only thing I really don't like is pasta. That's pretty much it. That is, that is interesting. <laughs> don't tell the Italians. Pasta. He did, yeah. You don't really have much Italian I'm not, yeah. in you. I yeah. have zero Italian. Yeah. yeah. Same. It's one of the things I'm most proud of. <laughs> racist yeah. against Italians and the French. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all no, right. I'm most, I think I'm Swiss and German and then a smattering of other European countries. Yeah. Britain and such. Not Indian, though. Not no, we did, yeah. For a while, we thought our family was part Native American. I don't even remember. I can't even remember what um, tribe it was. But that was because my great grandmother was a compulsive liar, and then we later found out that she was making that all up, and she was not born on a reservation, and uh, her mother was not full-blooded Native American. So, oh dear. That was we really have no idea. That was when my grandma found out when she was like, or my yeah, my grandma found out when she was like in her sixties that she had a sister mm. um, that she had never known about. So that's the family we have no idea past, uh, you know, one generation back. Mm. Whereas the Ooh. other side, that's where we know, you know, what we were doing in 1605. And well, you guys even have ledgers, because I think your family showed me the we have, Yeah, we have big, yeah, we have mm-hmm. a lot of history books. The Amish really like to keep records. Their way of writing <laughs> is kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, they kept, we have a lot of books that kind of detail everyone's experience mm. and catalog everything. It's a lot of cataloging, you know, they came over with this many pans and this many children. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, there were some interesting events that happened. We had one where a guy, his whole family 
got they called him like indian john for that reason his whole family was killed and he had to like crawl out he had to hide under the house wow like crawl two miles to yeah he was like the only one who survived through that there were there were a few yeah a few stories like that i mean i guess if you've been in america that long i guess there probably should be some stories so Mm -hmm. all right so what (laughs) that's funny how That trail from food. Mm-hmm. Anywho, um, so what type of hobbies make your soul sane? Um, I, I would say reading, <laughs> but it's buying books, I think. <laughs> to buying too many books is probably a big one. File. Buying and receiving them and then putting them on shelves <laughs> yeah. and not reading them. Um, <laughs> but, well, eventually reading them. That's the key. Right. Well, you, yeah. Yeah. you have okay. to be stocked for the next several years or something. Um, <laughs> Especially Doomsday prepping. Yeah, it's both <laughs> um, That, and then, you know, play games occasionally. Uh, I don't know. I'll listen to music, which is a fun one. Mm. Recently, I've been getting really into, you know, guns and stuff like that, which is fun, um, but expensive. <laughs> yes. But, correct. yeah, that's about it. Cool. Nice. Um, do you want to tell people how many books you have up to this point? It's somewhere around 900 at this point. He has an actual catalog of them. But it's, well, why not, though? It's like, a, you know, as you get them, you just put them in the Excel sheet or the Google Sure, sheets. yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. But it's like, uh, yeah, I, I have a, a list of those that I need to put in. Um, but a lot of that was because I moved right after I bought a lot of them. Right. So I was boxing everything up. So I was like, why not? Sure. Yeah. Well, and isn't your goal to have as many books as Scott, huh? No, that's, I think he's like, his estimate, in the video that Matt Frad did with, in his library, he said something like 20,000 books or something like that. What? Like, and if you look, it's a converted, like, it's a full library of books. Holy cow. Yeah. And his are like, I don't know, a lot of my books, because I'll just buy books used and stuff like that, because it's, you know, way cheaper. Mm-hmm. I mean, books are actually very cheap, if anyone's interested. <laughs> buy books online for very cheap. Mm. Amazon? No. Uh, you can buy used books on Amazon. But stuff like Thrift Books mm-hmm. is a really good one where, yeah, you can get, um, you know, $5, $3, something like that for decent quality mm-hmm. uh, books. It makes it much easier to justify buying a lot of them. <laughs> That's how they get you. Yeah. Yes. Because <laughs> Amazon, it's like, Amazon's a little more complicated too because you have to go through each individual listing and then find a used one and then look at the, the right. a lot of times the shipping and... costs will bring it back up yeah Yeah. so a lot of times it's just worth it to buy it new if you're buying it that route but right it just all depends so what types of devotions make your soul sing devotions um i mean the rosary was probably the first um it's i mean it's that super basic but the rosary was probably the first (laughs) basic catholic thing that i was doing where even before i started to because when i when i originally thought of myself as Christian in that sense. Um, It wasn't necessarily from a Catholic perspective. It was just, I decided that I was a theist and then decided that I, you know, the next step you have to take is, do you believe the Christian story? Which Mm -hmm. is, you you know, that God became man and uh, came to earth, walked among us and then sacrificed himself. Um, That's that's fundamentally the Christian story. And you have Mm -hmm. different stories, obviously, where... And you, that was also what I was looking at was, you know, the Jewish story um, that you, that the Messiah has not yet come. Although there are certain sects of 
Judaism that would say the Messiah is like a different person mm. that has already come. Uh, but those are, that's, that's much, you know, obviously much smaller than something like Christianity. And then you have, you know, Islam and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, once you go through the reasons why you would believe the Christian story, then it's looking into the history of the church and stuff like that. And that was how I got to, um, the rosary even before I was getting really into Catholicism or anything like that. So I was interested in, cause you know, you see the rosary, um, just in kind of like popular culture over time. Yeah. Um, and you start to, you know, you start to wonder, you're like, well, what is that? I've been raised Christian in this Baptist sense, but I've never really been, because we weren't anti-Catholic. We just didn't talk about Catholicism. Mm -hmm. So I didn't think about Catholicism at all until, you know, I was already an adult. It wasn't something that I was exposed to at all. Um, so then you go in thinking, well, what is, which denomination essentially is the way I thought of it, which denomination has the rosary, what, what is the rosary, what's the story behind that? Um, so that was a big part of the original conversion in general. Uh, but yeah, Once mom gets you, you're done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's a certain comfort in, um, I don't know, I, I've talked to, uh, especially the original priest that I talked to, Father, you know, Father Anthony, you've mm -hmm. had him on, but oh, yeah. he, talking to him about the difference in, the difference in the relationship that you would have with God to, uh, and the one you have with Mary, um, even though you look at her as the, you know, the intermediary, the mediatrix, um, it's a different kind of relationship. It's almost like an exclusivity on the, the mercy side of things. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. not as much the, uh, the justice mm -hmm. in a mm -hmm. sense. I don't know if that makes any sense, but no, it does. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the rosary, and then just some of the saints that I've enjoyed along the way, obviously, um, Thomas Aquinas. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say, in the traditional Catholic sense, I wouldn't say I have a devotion to any saints. I don't mm -hmm. practice that. It's something that I should do and should move towards doing. Um, but just, you know, being honest, I don't have a regular devotionary practice. Well, you've also only been Catholic since Easter, so. Yeah. <sighs> That's not an excuse. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah. somebody will saint, saint stalk you soon enough. Yeah, yeah. don't worry. Yeah. Well, and that's that's part of the you know that's part of the conversion experience too is the wanting to give yourself leeway, but not and it works the same way. It's not like only people who convert have this experience. It, you want to give yourself a certain amount of leeway because it's expected that you're going to fail, in a sense. But you don't want to give yourself allowances. Um, that are undue. Right. It's like not having self-hatred for those kinds of things, but also not giving yourself an allowance to do those things because it's like, well, you know, I'm only, right. I'm only human. Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, my soul is, that's pretty much the full hymn book for my soul there. Gotcha. Well, thank you. <laughs> the full hymn what's book. The, what's the, uh, I guess the title is Christian just kidding. hymn book. Give my full name out like that. Oh, sorry. My social security number. She'll, 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 she'll edit me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you like to dox people. I do. I have to like... I'm so bad at that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I like one of our other friends just like, did she say her full address on air yet? And was like, hey. <laughs> no, really. <laughs> it's not who you're thinking have... either. Well, I just don't have what is it called? A filter. <laughs> I. That's what. There's a pop filter right here. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's a pop filter that's a pop filter on the mic because oh. it stops the noise like like pee noises oh, that's the worst those, those come through on a mic 
Yeah. They, they kind of like spike it. Ah, mm-hmm. So gotcha. pop filters help stop those kinds of sounds. Ah. They mute them. I hate when people are lecturing and they do that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a you can tell some people don't know how to speak into a mic. Um, <laughs> like nobody does. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's understandable, I guess. Yeah. They probably weren't changing that like at all. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to keep my notes here for Mary doxing people. Uh, it's inevitable. Anywho. All right. You're up now. I am. Yeah, you are. Cool. Mm-hmm. Quit clicking oh, on <laughs> the wrong thing. <laughs> Jeez. It's trying Sorry. to dox other things here, too. Um, so. Can't do anything right over here. I guess we already we already talked about this. You've been you've been Catholic since April. Of, Third, yes. According yes. to that sheet. <laughs> according I, to that sheet. I was allegedly there. Allegedly. <laughs> I saw you there. Um, so when technically did you take ownership of your faith or when when did you kind of like start specifically gravitating towards catholicism Uh, said said it was like part of the rosary and stuff like that yeah i can give i mean i can give general Mm -hmm. how when it feels like because i'm terrible with dates Mm -hmm. outside of like my birthday um (laughs) that's pretty much it and christmas you know the big (laughs) ones but i think because theism was the, like the longest transition, and then from mm-hmm. theism to Christianity was pretty short, um, and then c- from Christianity to Catholic. Because originally, I was going to go back to the church that I had grown up in, mm-hmm. um, and I went. I remember going online and looking at you know every church, every Protestant church has like a beliefs section because you kind of have to line out. This is what we believe in here. Yeah, you know, so that people can see if if they uh, you know fit in to the belief system that you're presenting, mm-hmm. and typically they're most of them are things you know like we believe in the Trinity, we believe in it'll quote scripture yeah. essentially for a lot of it. Right. But there were certain things like you know that the King James Bible is the the um, the one true translation <laughs> of the Bible, oh, um, no. <laughs> and there were just a few things in the beliefs that didn't make sense with the way I. C- was um, the concept I had of Christianity in my head at that time. Mm-hmm. It didn't make sense from, yeah. And I, that's like Bible translations, translations is an interesting one. And that's one thing I like to do is look at a lot of different translations. Um, Cause there are a lot of translations and then you can look at biblical scholars and why this translation, why that one, what, what the uh, different translations, where they come from, um, and as that goes back to, you know, the original, you know, the Septuagint and the, um, the Vulgate and stuff like that. But I think the transition from deciding I was Christian, because I remember buying a crucifix, mm-hmm. because that's, a, that's another, I mean, that's another one. You Protestant, I don't know of any Protestant denomination that uses the crucifix. Right. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's um, just because you have that whole graven images idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, you know, worshiping of statues and stuff like yes, that. right. Which typically comes up with, like, Mary, statues of Mary and mm-hmm. St. Michael and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I think that would have been probably probably six months or so. No, a year before I went into um, RCIA. So, RCIA, when does RCIA start? Last summer. Is it like, is it August, September? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. Um, so that would have been summer. of last year because I came out of that in April of this year. So a year before that. And then from then it was just kind of like looking at church history, 
reading different stuff, um, you know, watching. There was a lot of, there were a lot of specific, because for me, the most important thing was the authority that the church had to declare things mm-hmm. um, as true. Because a lot of, if you're, I don't, if you're an atheist, a lot of that conversation comes down to, is there such a thing as objective truth? Mm-hmm. Is there such a thing as objective morality? Um, and if, if there is, what is it? Right. Um, what is the bar by which you determine what is good and what is evil? Um, so if you accept the, if you accept that paradigm coming into theism, then the important question is, um, who who gets the fi- who has the final say here on earth on the interpretation of what you're reading? Because I remember reading through the Bible again and being like, I don't trust my own. Like thinking, okay, this could be going several different ways, and then you look online, and there are several different interpretations of a single passage. Right. And so you say to yourself, okay, which so which right? one? Of, yeah, which one of these is right? And who yeah. has the authority to say which is right? Because mm-hmm. there's obviously, it's not that this group of people are dumb and this group of people are smart. Mm-hmm. It's that there are smart people in both camps. There's intelligent people in all areas of the discussion. Uh, you, you have to look at the sources that they're using and the justification for why their interpretation is correct. So once you accept the Catholic Church's, you know, the idea of the magisterium, mm-hmm. um, then you just have to, it's not so much that you have trouble with specific teachings, because I was coming from an atheism background and then also just being Baptist before that, I didn't have a lot of um, baggage necessarily. Yeah. Because I had, I didn't have very advanced formation as far as theological concepts. Like I, I knew biblical stories. I knew I, you know, did a lot of Bible verse memorizing and stuff, went to church, heard a lot of sermons, things like that. But I didn't have like, you know, any ideas about deep theological con, uh, or concepts or philosophical concepts or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So my, my thinking was, I just need to understand these teachings, but understand that they're true, even if I don't understand them now. Mm -hmm. So a lot of that was looking at, you know, things you find initially will be like Catholic Answers is one because they'll do specific segments on specific Protestant questions about yeah. that. So you just have to look at the differences. And you can look at even where Protestantism uh, you know, starts out. You can look at John Calvin's arguments and Martin Luther's arguments and you know, look at the Church of England and uh, Anglicanism, Episcopalianism, um, you know, what was King Henry VIII doing and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's a long-winded answer to your question but probably like a year prior to so yeah summer of what what would that be 2019 2020 2019 2019 yeah and then from there there was that moment where i was like okay if i'm because i like to think of things abstractly Mm -hmm. but you can't think of christianity in that way there are fun abstract concepts to think about um but at the end of the day especially when you're talking about Catholicism, it's about living that faith. And there are certain requirements that come with living that faith. And you, if you accept the premises surrounding it, you have to, you know, take the actions. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the reason for that holdover then beca- between that and be actually becoming Catholic is that was... that. So that would have put me around March, actually, because that was immediately when COVID hit. Because mm-hmm. I went to one RCIA class just to, like, sit in at a parish... And then COVID happened and everything shut down. And then I ended up going back into RCIA at the end. We even had a few like virtual 
um, meets. Oh, really? Because, yeah, there were still lingering COVID concerns. Mm -hmm. So it was like, there were a few times where they were like, we're just going to meet mm -hmm. uh, virtually. Mm -hmm. it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Sorry, do you mind if I... I, no. Yeah, you're good. Um, so at what point, um, can we, do you, sorry, how, cl how close do I need to be? Like, closer right than there. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if you, do you mind if we go back? So at what point, if you would, would you mind sharing about like when you became an atheist from, like what brought you from, cause you were, uh, yeah. Christian and then. So yeah. I guess that it wasn't. One thing to keep in mind, if you're someone who is on the edge of, I mean, apostatizing, but you're on the edge of like leaving, leaving the church, or you're having questions about um, your faith, you're having things that you don't understand, realize that you're not the first, you're very likely not the first person to have those concerns. It's like, uh, actually, the Babylon Bee recently did a uh, video. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, they did a video called um the it's like the ex evangelical ex evangelical i think it is where it's just like a it's a parody thing where she's like you know i had never thought about my faith before and then somebody told me somebody asked me why do good things happen to bad people and i was like <laughs> i don't know god must not be real and it's, it's like there are certain concerns because i was young i was yeah. young when this happened i remember thinking i remember thinking to myself like for the first time i don't believe in god like, as, like, a truism. Mm -hmm. um, and I was super young when I was doing that. I was a teenager. Um, maybe, like, 14 or 15 at that point. Probably probably closer to 15. Uh, but, yeah, a lot of the things I had trouble with initially were just basic things. Like, the you know, the problem of evil. Why is there evil in the world? Um, I remember specific things like, why can't... What if you were born somewhere where there's no Christian, um, you know, presence? What... Because there, there weren't really these answers in the, the formation I was being given at that time. Why, you know, if you were never exposed to Christianity, are you just screwed? Like, <laughs> same thing with like, well, I'm saved because it, so Baptists typically would believe in once saved, always saved. Mm -hmm. um, not always, that's not a, a rule, but typically I think that's what they tend to believe in. Um, it's like, well, what if you're, you know, you're saved and then you do something horrible, you know murder a bunch of people or something like that. Are you still saved? And then, then they would say, but you were never You were never saved. saved. In the, yeah, yeah. A, a true Christian would never do something like that. So then it leads to um, this um, spiritual thing. anxiety is kind of what people would call it, where mm -hmm. it's, you're like, am I actually saved? Like, do I? Because the, the question is, what does it mean to believe in something? So it's like, do you, you profess it? Okay, so you, so you sit there. Because typically, if you've never been saved as a protestant before this is what ha typically happens it's not always it's not all denominations but you'll the pastor will come to you and you'll say a certain passage and then they'll say do you accept your lord um you, your lord and savior jesus christ into your heart and that's mm -hmm. kind of and you do that typically when you hit the age of reason so it's you're getting baptized and then you're getting saved It'd be like 13 or something like that and you're 13 years old you're like yeah let him let him on in yeah um jesus is great and then uh, you're like what does that mean like what is it it does it, Jesus is inside my because you, you're like I don't feel any different now. Mm -hmm. You know you're still you're still you're still having the same urges. You're still having the same issues. You're still you know you're still affected by original sin. You're not all of the sudden just purified in the sense that uh, you're you're just not dealing with any of your human impulses anymore. Um, so that those 
were that's kind of like a you know there were a bunch of things that and then also like why you know why the bible why is the bible inspired because that's where you get it's always if you're specifically baptist but mostly most protestants believe in sola scriptura um and then that that's not like a self-justifying thing though so how do you know what the bible says is the divine is divinely true because that's kind of the argument that people would make for the quran it's like because you can just kind of tell um because of how beautiful it is that's what yes. someone who's islamic would say because of how beautiful the prose is and things like that now there's there's funny hmm. stories about a guy that would uh, i can't remember his name and i'm probably gonna butcher it but he followed muhammad around writing poetry being like this is just as you know it's just as good guys yeah uh, and it's not and then he was eventually beheaded from what i remember <laughs> um <laughs> but of course <laughs> yeah so th- those were kind of some of the issues that i had with it and then it's just um freeing in a sense that especially when you're younger when there are things that everyone around you in the what would be the secular world are saying this is fine this is fine you don't need to feel bad about this Mm -hmm. this is fine and then you get this is normal this is normal it's natural you know you get that out where you can say um and that's where that idea of catholic guilt comes from is Mm -hmm. it's like you get that out of being able to say, this is fine. It's right. not, this isn't a bad thing. Um, and some people feel this more than others. Like this would be a really big thing if you had same-sex attraction or something like that. Mm-hmm. There's this enormous pressure to say, to just go over to the, the camp that says, this is fine. Yes. Like, this, this is fine. You don't need to feel any kind of guilt about this, about who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, uh, yeah, I think those, those, that's just kind of a smattering of mm-hmm. the reasons that I was eventually like, yeah, this is a no-go. And then it was fun to, you know, you'd have friends who are religious, but they're from, like, you know, a background where they don't have really any formation, and they're just kind of, like, they just believe in God. And they don't really know anything about the Bible. They don't really know anything about why they believe the things they do. Um, so then it, it's easy to kind of... And that's where this, the like, new atheism wave comes in is this was right on the heels of people like Christopher Hitchens, people like Sam Harris, people like um, um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Is that the other guy? Or is that just an actor? I may have just named an actor. <laughs> I think that might just be an actor. But there, there were four. Uh, I can't remember what their, the other two's names are. But Sam Harris and Hitchens were definitely the primary two that I remember. Because you'd watch them do debates about the existence of God and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and most of the time, it would be just random Protestant pastors or laymen, something like that. And even if they didn't have like a solid, you know, they weren't actually making points as far as like, you know, philosophy or metaphysics or theology or anything like that. They would just, you know, score points, score debate points over time. But it was convincing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, was there, sorry, I know this is your second no, no, your you're good. part. Um, but was there... Um, any time before you were like, I'm an atheist, that you think, like, looking back, that you had an encounter with God because of your Christian upbringing or, like, um, you know, because especially when you're a young child, like, sometimes you're more open to that and then things happen or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, that's, that, I mean, that's something that I still struggle with is determined because there's a, there's a, there's a desire, especially once you become let's say if you're like a religious person, there's a, there's a desire to look at everything through the lens of um, 
providence, for example. Mm, yeah. To look at everything is like, well, this happened because of this, and this happened because of this. And so, but it's it's really hard to actually see that. Uh, and a lot of it is like, you know, there were definitely moments where I'm being exposed and I feel pulled in, I feel felt pulled into certain subjects and uh, had certain questions coming into my mind that you could say um, didn't necessarily make sense with where I was at right then. But I definitely became very... Um, I was a nihilist, essentially. Uh, mm. yeah. Which is that, I mean, there's just, you know, if you're an atheist, if you're a committed atheist and you take it all the way down and you say there is no such thing as objective truth, there is no such thing as objective morality, nothing truly means anything in a, yeah. in a deep sense of the word. Everything is... Um, Everything just kind of has the meaning you assign to it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you're somebody who's able to just... Some people are able to just exist in that space where they're able to say, you know, I have life as much you make of it. I have to find my own happiness in the world. Mm -hmm. I have to find where you're just like, I need to get, you know, the correct amount of dopamine hits per day. Mm -hmm. um, and, but then there's like this feeling of, but none of this actually means anything, especially when you're talking about cultural conventions, because a lot of what we do in the U.S. or Western countries specifically, not that this doesn't happen in the East, obviously, but is our vestiges of Christianity. Uh, and vestiges of Catholicism in a yes. lot of ways. And culture, you, you'll get that a lot with people who are secular where they're like, I don't understand the point of marriage. And it's like, well, yeah, if you're looking at marriage yeah. in a secular way, mm -hmm. it it's people will say it's the worst business decision you can make. Like, it doesn't make sense to um, commit yourself to one person for the rest of your life. You don't know if that person will change. And mm -hmm. it's because your your conception of marriage is not... is. You, you don't understand what the original conception of marriage was. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just like a, a pact you're making with another person no. to not, you know, have relations with other people. <laughs> that's, but that's what a lot of people will view it as, is like, this person should be my best friend, companion through life. Mm -hmm. It's not looking at it as it's like, well, the purpose, of, what is the purpose of marriage? It's not, they're not thinking of it in terms of like having children, raising children, yeah. developing family, any, anything like that. Um, so you start to question these these institutions and be like, why? What what is the point of this? Um, and in the end, the answer is always there is no point. There is no true point to any of it. It's all just, especially you're, you're looking at it in, in evolutionary terms, which is typically what everything gets reduced down to, where they'll say this is an evolutionary evolutionary byproduct of um, the need for survival. Mm -hmm. over time so it's it's useful to be able to form large groups it's uh religion is helpful for that um it's useful to have monogamy because of the um the way that uh males and females interact with each other like mm -hmm. to keep uh groups functioning and that's that's what everything gets reduced down to is mm -hmm. why do you want to have children well it's the need for procreation to drive the species forward over time and why, why is love such a thing? It's like, well, to lead to procreation so that the species can, can survive. Everything kind of gets reduced down to that. Yeah. Um, but in the end, there's no true meaning for anything. We're just another animal mm -hmm. who's here who happens to be much more intelligent and have opposable thumbs. <laughs> and that's lucky for us. <laughs> that's essentially what the story is. You know, It's lucky yeah. that we have language, that we have the ability to com communicate in these abstract ways, that we can understand things. Uh, that we can um, be self-reflective, that we're self-aware, 
that we have opposable thumbs, we have the ability to use tools, things like that. Uh, we're just, you know, we got lucky for, you know, a variety of reasons, whatever it is. We have larger craniums, <laughs> we can have bigger brains, things like that. Yeah. We just got really lucky. We got really lucky, and all the other animals were really dumb, <laughs> so we took over. <laughs> So do you, sorry, Hannah. What? <laughs> I'll let you. <laughs> um, She's like, I'm just here. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm vibing. I don't know. <laughs> um, She's about to fall asleep. That's what it is. <laughs> the wine. <laughs> um, yeah, one more day of school. One more day of school, Hannah. Thank God. Um, so do you remember that first time that you were like, oh, God may actually be real? Um... Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I remember, like, you get this initial wave of, because then, the, then there's the question, what does faith feel like? Um, and this gets into, like, you know, charismatic movements and things like that, where it's like, oh, no. is it a, a physiological response in your body? Mm-hmm. Is it, like, you know, the feeling of chills? Is it, are there, are there physiological aspects to it that you should expect to correspond to how how um holy you're feeling at a certain time or how <laughs> pious you are or or something like that or how spiritually you know ascended you are or in tune with the universe or and all that but i do remember having you know there was sort of like this relief of like there is a, there is purpose in the world there is meaning in the world there is a a fundamental there's a story happening here um, these aren't just random events over time that are the result of, of long-term natural selection that are just arbitrary, essentially. Um, I do remember, yeah, that feeling of relief and there's a, yeah, there's certain happiness that comes there. And then there's the, there's like a confidence that comes where you're like, okay, so all I have to do is, you know, essentially love everybody that's, you know, love my fellow man and then follow the rules. And then you're, you have the confidence of somebody who is, it's like people who are judgmental for, on, they, they cast judgment on somebody else for dealing with a temptation that they don't deal with. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, well, I could never do that. It's like, well, that's not your, that's not the temptation that you deal with. Right. But it's not, it's not like you don't deal with temptation. Yes. Um, so you get, yeah, you, there's like a false confidence going in where you're like, I'm going to kill this. And mm-hmm. then... Uh, just because you have that initial wave of excitement and enthusiasm and mm-hmm. not that that doesn't it's not like that fades away and you just immediately become mm-hmm. a cynic <laughs> uh so what was the sorry i'm sorry um what was the winning argument to um like the proof of god's existence for you um that was just like ooh, it all clicked together uh well I think more so because that that's an interesting that's interesting because that was something that I was always I always saw when I was watching I would typically watch debates on the existence of God that um, that's how I would consume the arguments more more often and then if somebody was using a specific argument then I would look at that argument try to look at that original argument where it came from um, but you start to understand that there are arguments that convince some people but don't convince other people. And mm-hmm. it's not that some people are dumb 
and so they're not convinced and other people are smart so they get it like right. that's not that's not how it works at all there are a lot of very intelligent atheists mm-hmm. and there are a lot of not very not so intelligent christians like it's not a matter of your your faith isn't determined by your intelligence mm-hmm. it has nothing to do with that your morality isn't determined by your intelligence um but when you're when you're talking about like a philosophical um proof for the existence of god then obviously there are typically that gets debated at a certain level um and then you can find there are certain debaters that just don't have answers for certain questions so like richard dawkins is a good example he was actually one of the other horsemen of the one of the other four horsemen of the um, new atheist apocalypse but he he whenever he debates someone like so he'll debate somebody like uh William Lane Craig is a good example. He's a Protestant. Um, but he does debates with, like, the Kalam cosmological argument. And he doesn't... His his essential point a lot of the times is, well, who created God? And it's like, if you're asking, well, who created God, then you're not really understanding what God what is. God is. Yeah. Right. Like, you're not, you're not understanding the concept of a necessary being, a prime mover, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whatever, you, whatever you want to call it. Um, or an unmoved mover... Uh, yeah. you're not understanding what and that's how you'll have some um, people that have debated him saying like I also don't believe in the God you don't believe in <laughs> uh, because it's not yes. it's not the it's not a monotheistic Christian God that he's necessarily debating against no. but and then those I would take it back to the Chesterton quote where it's for those people it's the the implications of agreeing with the arguments because they're all, you, you'll always get the you know the the presentation of I'm just taking the arguments as I see them. And if they made sense, then I would, you know, I would believe it's like, but to believe would mean you would have to drastically change. You, mm-hmm. It would affect your public. You, you have, um, you know, your public appearance is all mm-hmm. predicated on these ideas. Your, uh, your following you have, you have like, you have a stake in one side being true. And you're basically yeah. just trying to figure out how you can seem like your your right to the audience rather than engaging with the uh engaging with the uh, actual argument in any kind of meaningful way right um yeah i kind of talked myself into a circle there <laughs> so what was so oh what, what was, was the actual the, argument yeah, what was the winning argument the, so the the, <laughs> the the point there that i was trying to make is that it was more of like a over time seeing it from different angles uh, and then later on, you kind of like go back and you can pick what your favorite argument is. I think the Kalam, the cosmological argument was pretty strong and it's simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would just be like the, uh, you know, the universe exists, everything ex- that exists has a cause. Yeah. Um, and so therefore the universe has a cause. Um, I believe, I think I didn't butcher that. But, and mm-hmm. then you can get, that just says, well, that's not proving God. It's proving a cause for the universe but once you get into you can glean the divine attributes off of um a cause for the universe and what that would entail Mm -hmm. what what that has to look like yeah Yeah. and then they'll you know they'll be like well that would just prove god exists that doesn't prove the christian god it's like there are building blocks of all this it's a chain of beliefs that come from you know the the belief in the historicity of the gospels um the accounts uh in scripture and understanding the and then you can get into the more, you know, the deeper um, theological concepts and things like that that have been developed over, you know, thousands of years in the church. Um, 
but yeah, the Kalam cosmological argument was a good one. And then argument from contingency, um, that for anything to exist, essentially like for anything to exist, there has to be something metaphysically holding it in existence Mm -hmm. at any given time. And that's more of an Aristotelian idea that Aquinas used, uh, in a lot of, in his arguments as well. Um, and he had other ones like argument for motion. That would be like the five ways and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, yeah, the Kalam was probably one of the original ones that piqued my interest. And then you can get into the other ones as you watch more debates Mm -hmm. and things like that. Hmm. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not even a, I mean, that's not, that's actually a, um, that was an Islamic scholar that came up with the yes. Kalam cosmological argument. That mm. is from, I could be way off, but like 1100? Mm. I could be wrong Small on that. Um, but it, yeah, you, because it's an, it's an argument for monotheism. Yes. Um, which is essentially what the argument, the argument for, God, for the existence of God is not necessarily Christian or Catholic. Although your conception of God will, will depend on certain ones because... There are differences between a Catholic conception of God and like a uh, um, Calvinistic conception of God, Ooh. things like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, especially once you get into things like predestination. Yeah. Um, and then even things like natural law, like are the Ten Commandments, um, are they arbitrary? Could they have been something else? Mm-hmm. Are they an expression of natural law? Fun things like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so what is it? Like now at the end of the journey, I would not the end of the yeah. journey. Well, yeah. yeah. What? How do you feel? Like, where do you feel like you're on your journey then? I think it's. I have. Fu- I had a lot of fun with the concepts. Um, the hard part is actually doing it. Mm-hmm. That's. I mean, that's always going to be the hard part is doing it every day, and that's. It gets super. You know. Uh, I don't know how to describe it. it. It's like saying things like, you know, you have to live out your faith every day. They're true. They just sound kind of... Uh, yeah, kind of trite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's how it's... But it's... But they are true. And it's, that's the most difficult part is molding yourself into... Especially if you've never been inside Catholic culture, pulling yourself out of the things you found acceptable before that you can't necessarily find acceptable now, mm-hmm. the things that you could associate with before that you can't necessarily associate with now. There's a lot of, um, it's very abrasive uh, mm-hmm. when you're making that initial change and it's difficult to peel away from old habits and old ways of, you know, old patterns. Um, I don't know, that, that's probably the thing that I have, and I, I would imagine a lot of people share in that struggle is getting used to the new day-to-day life that you want to be living. And you want to come into it with some excitement too. So, you know, and this is something that obviously I I need to work on is going, having a regular prayer life, Um, you know, saying the rosary every day, uh, paying attention to the daily readings, trying to read scripture every day, um, trying to do some sort of spiritual reading. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to like implement those things that are going to build you, uh, you know, step by step, block by block over time and getting used to the, the new cycle, the, the liturgical cycle, the, um, you know, coming into Advent and doing things like Lent 
and mm-hmm. participating in these and some of them it'll it's funny because like some of them you know obviously from the the cultural the um cultural vestiges that are left over yeah uh just even in secular the secular world where you're uh, you'll see a lot of that uh there's an interesting book by um i think it's tom woods where it's like how the catholic church built western civilization maybe mm-hmm. um but it basically it, there are and there's a lot of books on this obviously where it, yeah. they'll talk about how a lot of the things that we take for granted in you know the u.s in particular but if you're talking about any western country are yeah. cultural norms that come from the um that come from the catholic church mm-hmm. and then were diluted over time but still kept in a certain sense through um through protestantism mm-hmm. uh, until today where now you have a mostly secular society i would say and mostly post-christian secular society that mm-hmm. would that still b- believes in certain tenets of it but not really ever thinking about why those so you they'll latch on to certain things like tolerance is a big one today yeah well they'll say you need to be tolerant of other people and you need, and it's it, you know tolerance is a virtue mm-hmm. but they'll they'll ignore other virtues and then you'll even promote some vices yeah so you see the the kind of you could say sinister turning of it and twisting of it over time to where it becomes something that um has elements of it that are still connected but also has elements of it that are completely opposed mm-hmm. um and you see that and you know with something like that happened in britain like last year right with the the pastor that got arrested yeah for reading and you'll i don't and i don't think he was catholic or anything um but you'll you'll start you see that in even in canada you see that with like their version of the child protective services who it's like if you don't teach you know if you don't accept your child's choice in their gender or something like that then you'll have your children taken away from you and that ultimately comes down to the do your children belong to you or the state where does that authority come Mm -hmm. from yeah who has true authority over your and you can get into all this with christian thought over the years it's uh, I think it was St. Thomas talked about how you, you can't take children from Jewish homes and then raise them Christian, even if your thinking is that their soul will be saved because mm-hmm. of this action. Right. It, parents have ultimate legal, spiritual authority over their children. Mm-hmm. And then it gets into family structure. Yeah. And like, you know, the father having spiritual authority over the family, the mother having spiritual authority over the children. Yeah. All that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. Um, our last question for you. <laughs> Wait, you got two more. Second to last. Yeah. Well, my last question for you mm-hmm. is. Hannah's like, go away so I can <laughs> sleep, please. I do need sleep. It's only, it's only it's some only of some of us can't set our own schedules, uh, <laughs> or, or some of us can't wake up and already be done with their yeah. commute. <laughs> wake up at eight fifty-five and I'm at work at nine. <laughs> If you're not working this week. Yeah, and I'm not even working this week, so. Mm-hmm. So I have two reasons to say, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I had to use the PTO, right? It's going to go away. So blame company policy. <laughs> PTO, what's that? Uh, anyways. <laughs> it's the stuff you get when you're not a teacher. It's called summer. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's called summer, Hannah. No, that's not PTO. <laughs> that's called. That's just TO. It's just yeah. time off. <laughs> yeah, unless they guilt you into coming in, and then, then it's not time off. We love it. You like this look? 
um so how did how did god call you to where you are today like just um life i think i've always had this weird kind of uh i'll think sometimes in terms of like myself talking about what i'm doing what i'm going through from in from the future from Mm -hmm. that perspective i don't know i don't know if any i i'm that's just, that's like a that's a Reddit meme. Is like mm-hmm. if you if you're asking, am I the only one who the answer is no? <laughs> There's a lot of people. Yes, we're all people. Like people have similar issues. People have similar concerns. They do similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's one of the things I'll find myself doing is like almost like thinking in terms of like telling a story about where I was at at this time where I actually am now. Yes. Um, and I there's some sort too. of there's some sort of comfort in that because you're like. You can think of it in terms of like you got through whatever you were struggling with, but you can mm-hmm. say like I was really struggling with this at that time, and then there's comfort in that. Um, mm-hmm. But I think I think right now the biggest it because th- there's always the question of like, well, what is God's plan for you? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of dependent on what you do. Um, not kind of it is. It's dependent on what you do. Yeah, because um, you have free will. Yeah, yeah, you have free will, and hit. Obviously, the way that providence works and the way that um, God's will work is he can work around whatever you're going to do. But, and that's why it's so impossible for us to conceive of what his plans are, Mm -hmm. is because they're, when you really start to think about the creation of the universe and the amount of, even the amount of like physical energy it would take to create something like that and hold (laughs) it in existence at all Mm -hmm. times, and then you get into the nature of reality you get even like you get into like subatomic particles and uh, quantum physics and things like that it's so incredibly it biology once you get really deep into biology it's it's so incredibly complicated uh and complex that the amount of you could just say raw intelligence it would take to create something like that out of nothing is something that you can't it's it starts to become laughable to even think that you could really understand what God's yeah. going for. <laughs> um, so I, I just, I try to focus on like the, the day-to-day stuff of, am I doing this? And I think it is probably helpful to, um, I forget his name, the one guy that was at uh, there Tuesday, the one time, but he was talking about how he had like an Excel sheet of like, and there was something on, it's a big thing on, uh, on Reddit, it used to be, was <laughs> the, the X method, which is like having daily goals for yourself where you would like Uh, you know mark when you did it essentially or you're just keeping track of because you really have to try to hold yourself accountable each day um because that's what it's really about it's not it's not necessarily it would be nice if well it wouldn't be nice but it's there's always that romantic dream of like well you know there's going to be this moment where Mm -hmm. you know the guards take me in front of thousands of people and say, do you believe in God? And then I could say, yes, and then that's what, you know, that, that's all I need to do. Yeah. But it's, it's much harder to be like, okay, I need to be, you know, thankful today. I need to follow the commandments. I need to be respectful of my parents. I need to be loving. I need to be, I need to do all of these things each day. It, it, that's much less romantic than yeah. that one big moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's what God's calling me to right now is, trying to implement that in a way that I can actually be a useful instrument in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what it's about at the end of the day is we're not, obviously it's trying to stay in a state of grace, preparation for heaven, 
but it's also building God's kingdom on earth now. That's that's yeah. part of what it means to be Catholic is to um, participate in that, uh, participate in the New Jerusalem, um, and bringing. And then that that gets you know there are complicated questions there when that gets into, um, you know your political beliefs and things like that. How much the social order or how much the law should reflect um, the moral law, mm-hmm. uh, and you get into like the social reign of Christ and things like that. Yeah. Um, but those are all like really complicated questions that aren't as simple, but also aren't as immediate as doing things correctly each day but that's actually that's the more difficult part i think at least for me mm-hmm. but yeah <laughs> <laughs> long story short yeah that's cool i'm like not that. long-winded at all no nobody would ever say that about me that's okay i don't talk well you have all good things to say so it's worth it mm. <laughs> it depends on who you ask <laughs> <laughs> well we had you on the podcast for a reason so mm-hmm. we're, we're or when you ask them if you asked hannah an hour ago maybe but now she's just like i don't care <laughs> Shut up. So I can go to bed. <laughs> I'm not going to go to bed now, man. I got essays to grade. Oh, that's fun. Mm. Yeah, sounds I like to, fun. I have to go home and... That's, yeah, that's about as far as I've thought. <laughs> I have to go home and uh, stare at the wall. Yeah. Right. Uh, <laughs> I'll watch some random movie recaps. Have you, have you seen those? That's like a big thing now. It's like 10-minute movie recaps on YouTube. They'll just like... I like CinemaSins. <laughs> So it was, yeah, I mean, that's an OG one. The, the movie, it's like a movement. There's like all these channels that do this now where there will just be like this narrator who will say like what happened in the movie in like a 10 minute video. But it's cool because it's like obscure movies that you're, I'm not going to sit down and watch this sci-fi B movie for <laughs> an hour and a half, but it's got a cool concept. So I, I, I started doing that with horror movies back in the day because uh, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of watching horror movies because they have yeah. too many holes in the plot. Yeah. just naturally that's kind of how it functions yes but they have interesting concepts usually uh but yeah mm-hmm. sorry that's completely random what <laughs> you, you just i drank that. the rest of your wine <laughs> i was actually gonna ask you <laughs> yeah i did theo came out and drank it <laughs> he broke out of his cage and was like you know what mm, i have a lot of questions on that but i'll leave those to after <laughs> mm. um so what is some <laughs> Nothing. I said um, nothing. You said nothing? Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, what is in... Okay. Re- reading. <laughs> reading, <laughs> totally is, good... reading is No, hard. it's actually... I was literally going to ask if you wanted to finish my wine, so... it's Yeah, I knew that, so... <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Um, what is some inspiration... Actually, thank you for that, but... Um, what is some inspiration and advice that you would like to share in regards to living according to God's will and living the love of Christ out? So I feel like you kind of said that, but maybe articulate, like... I guess from that, what is, you were saying the kingdom of heaven on earth and what does that look like? So. Um, I mean, I, that's way above my pay grade. Excuse me. That's way above my pay grade. But what is, what is the kingdom of heaven on earth? <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> uh, but I think, you know, for inspiration, obviously Caritas Christi is the best source of inspiration. Aww. You're not biased. I, yeah, I'm getting paid $100 for that. <laughs> By who? The whole reason I'm here. Yeah. By who? who are you, who's paying you $100? Hannah? So Hannah's, Hannah's, you? Yeah. <laughs> I, that's what With all of my six-figure salary uh, here. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think just delving into, because there's, there's, obviously there's a ton of saints from over time 
there's a ton of uh, there's a ton of people who have written about um, you know whether it's the moral law or even implementing it in your daily life or just people's experiences that they're living out. Um, sometimes there will be a block, but you, you'll but before initially doing it. But I find at least typically that once I get into it, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I would say try to delve into not just stuff because some people will only read stuff or watch stuff or look at stuff will only do that for you know people who are ancient writers or people who are and then other people will only do it for people who are alive right now who are like popular figures in the the you know the culture or whatever mm-hmm. um i think having a mix of those helps to find good inspiration because then you can kind of see maybe differences in ideas and also that's another point that i would make when you're coming into Catholicism, when you're converting, try not to have any strong opinions when you first come in. Um, and try to understand, and this kind of helped coming from the argument for theism in general, it, because there's like the, you know, the argument for objective truth. It's like, well, what is the objective truth? What is objectively true? And how can you determine that it's objectively true? Um, so coming into it, understand the difference between dogma and doctrine and you know capital t tradition and you know lowercase t tradition understand yeah. the even you could see the differences in the rights the maronite right the um the byzantine right the roman right you can see um the different traditions there and know which things are hills that you need to die on so it's like mm-hmm. obviously super basic things that even most protestant denominations outside of like jehovah's witnesses would agree on would be like the trinity yeah um like it, things that seem pretty obvious it's like well, okay that's dogma and then you can go through to even recently you know the most recent declaration the assumption of mary mm-hmm. um understand what are things that you can't question you you can question it in that you want to understand it yeah and maybe you don't under, you don't understand how it works or um the basis for it but understand you're you need to bow intellectually to these ideas Yes. And then understand there's other things that you a lot of really great people have had, and a lot of people who are way holier than I'm ever going to be have had differing opinions on. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, for example, the first seven days in Genesis. St. Yes. Augustine has a different take than Thomas Aquinas has. Mm-hmm. Like there are, there are legitimate, um, there are things that are, it's kind of up in the air. And you can have an opinion on it, but understand that it's just an opinion. Don't hold super strongly to it, and don't fault somebody else for ha- having a different opinion on it. Because mm-hmm. um, there are there are lots of like little gray areas where it's like, yeah, it literally is a matter of opinion. There's yeah, no... it's up to you. It's yeah. and you can look at what the saint said and what yeah. your favorite theologian's opinion on it is, but don't say, I really like this theologian. Everything he says is true, and anything that anyone says that um, is not completely in line with that is heretical. Mm-hmm. Like it's and that gets into the you know the uh, you know the trad movement and stuff like that. Oh boy! Is you and I would I would call I would have called myself especially when I started I would have definitely called myself more of a traditional Catholic and I would still mm-hmm. say that I'm a traditional Catholic. Um, but you you will see that where it's there are certain things that yes the the modern church and most people who uh, I don't know if I should say most people but. A lot of people in the church who would say would call themselves Catholic, where their their beliefs aren't in line with the dogmas and the doctrines, 
which is obviously a very big problem. But then there's other things where it's like, okay, you just disagree on this, which is more so part of the way this right has been practiced over time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that their their opinion or view is illegitimate. It's just that they have a differing one. And you can think you can even think that you have better reasons for why you believe yours to be legitimate. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't. You don't need to be militant about it. I guess. So yeah, try not to form any strong opinions. So when you first come in outside of the things that you do need to have strong opinions about. And luckily, when you're Catholic, those are pretty spelled out. It is a pretty, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty spelled out what an ecumenical council is. It's pretty spelled out what a, declar- uh, you know, a declaration is. Um, the, the limits of papal authority are pretty spelled out. Um, papal infallibility. It's so. Uh, but outside of that, and that's a very small subsection of it. Like a lot of the vast majority of scripture has not been declared on Mm -hmm. it's and there are there are traditional beliefs that have held for a long time and those should be given weight you should you know that's tradition is the the democracy of the dead that's the you need to understand that you're not just way smarter than everybody that came before you because (laughs) somebody figured out how you know silicon works yeah before you were born it's you have you have certain advantages because you're sitting on the shoulders of giants mm-hmm. um that these people didn't have it doesn't necessarily mean that you're and in fact they probably had a lot more time in their daily life for things like prayer yes. and fasting than uh modern people's lives would have mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah so kind of just like a closing you're talking about tradition and did you see the kind of new current thing that came out from the pope hmm. no Oh, Ooh, good. Uh, then let's not talk about it. Right. <laughs> you can edit that out. No, what, what is it? Hit, it? hit me with that. Uh, I'll hit you with your off recording because <laughs> I don't want to explain all of that right now. And I would get angry. <laughs> well, and that's another thing that comes into it is because that's a misunderstanding people will have in the, um, in the secular world. Yes. Yeah. What, 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 what your relationship with the Pope is. Yes. As a, as a lay Catholic. Yeah. Um, and what your position is and what, when it's appropriate to, you know, criticize the clergy and things like that there are you know there's nuance there it's not just you'll because it's a super there's there's almost tears to um people's uh issues with the church yes there's and a super low tier one is well you just believe everything the pope says or well the pope says this a pope said this therefore you must believe it yeah and it's like like i even saw i've seen people say like well the majority of Catholics in the U.S. The majority of people who say they're Catholic in the U.S. are in support of things like abortion. Yeah, and it's like you can't. So, so you must be in. So you don't even know what your own. They'll say, well, you don't even know what your own denomination believes because it's like, well, Catholics. Because, but it's not a democracy. No, <laughs> it's, it's not, not. It's not. Not you know, at all. It's not a, some sort of democracy where the people come together and they vote once a year and they say, well, this we we believe in abortion now. <laughs> we we do not. We no longer believe. That abortion is, is bad. Wrong. Yeah. yeah. And so, you, yeah, the, that's a super low tier. And then there are there are more nuanced ones, which are typically going to come from people who are more familiar with the. Um, so secular people are going to probably have worse criticisms of the church, mm-hmm. um, like less realistic ones or less. Um, I don't know, less difficult ones to respond to than people who are Protestant and aware of Catholicism, and then probably even above them would be somebody who's Eastern Orthodox, who's very familiar, like an Eastern Orthodox scholar, who's very familiar with um, 
the traditions of both of the churches and the mm-hmm. actual disagreements between yeah. um, the actual real disagreements between uh, or the schism between East and West or between Protestantism and Catholicism and mm-hmm. things like that, atheism and theism. Mm. Sorry, just one last closing. Why do I keep on saying sorry? I don't know why. I don't don't know. ever Are apologize. Are you Canadian? Uh, no. Sorry, no, she'd be saying sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's one of the words you can. Sorry. There's sorry and then a boot. Because I work, I work with a lot of people who are Canadian, mm. and they'll sound not necessarily Midwestern, but they'll they, you won't immediately be able to place them as Canadian until they say one of those two words, <laughs> and then you're like, oh, you're Canadian. Yep. So you're actually technically the first, I guess you would say, fan of the podcast. Do you remember mm. when you first heard about our podcast? About Caritas Christie? I was I was there when you were deciding to make a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you didn't hear about it. You were yeah. you watched it happen. I was I was at the we were Yeah, we were out to coffee. coffee. Yeah, we were yeah. out coffee. Mm-hmm. And you were like when you were workshopping the name and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 Then yeah. I you made could the say, logo. You could say name. I came up with the podcast. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> oh yes, okay. Yeah. How was that? Remember I was like, You two should have a podcast named Caritas Christie. You did not say that. <laughs> Maybe you said the first part, but definitely not the last part. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I don't think I was very involved with the creation of it, except being physically close to you when you were coming. <laughs> yeah. You're a moral support, for sure. But it's cool that you, I mean, you've had a lot of cool guests on, mm-hmm. and it's become a thing. Hannah definitely went into uh, getting it done mode immediately. Oh. <laughs> she was like, yeah. she had come up with the artwork, Yep, and the logo come up yeah logo yes and mary just shows up she's just, <laughs> just, she's just freeloading <laughs> well that's pretty much how it worked i did up till 4 a.m workshopping notes and yep <laughs> editing out the editing multiple times out. that you doxed everybody yeah <laughs> you too yeah. what am i hey all i brought t- you all all the time mary's like hannah isn't it so fun to be here at your address <laughs> <laughs> in this zip code in this zip code <laughs> Uh, I brought you all treats. I don't know why. I'm regretting this now. <laughs> that is true. I appreciate the treats. Oh, I'm glad you do. I'm glad. You did bring her cheese, though, which is kind of... <laughs> this is true. I brought cheese for us. I feel excluded. Cheese for me, <laughs> but not meat. for thee. I brought, I brought meat and vegan crackers for you. Meat so. and vegan crackers. Yeah. Which is kind of, yeah. <laughs> Meat people well, who, people the, who care about vegan crackers would not like <laughs> the, the meat first going along with it. <laughs> well, it's more the fact that there's lack of dairy in that. Yes, that's correct. the point. That's why so. I eat vegan dessert. I should bring MSG for me and Hannah. <laughs> I mean, I would be okay with that. Yeah. You know, technically, MSG. We can just take the powder directly in the mouth. Shots. Yeah, shots of MSG. Oh my gosh. Oh, no. Technically, MS, like, people shouldn't really be eating MSG anyways, but... I love MSG. We go way back. (laughs) We go way back. MSG and gluten. If I could just mix those two together. Ew. (laughs) Turn it into a whatever that would make. (laughs) It's like what kid when you're like a slime. Actually, we were at we were at we were at a a client's house this past week, and the kid was putting like an egg and milk and vegetables and sugar and a whole bunch of porridge together. An egg? I don't even know what he was doing. I hope not an egg. (laughs) One egg. It is weird when you bake stuff and, like, you're just doing it from scratch. Yeah. Because you, you don't, I don't know, a lot of the times, especially when you're me, <laughs> when you don't do that. When you're me. So, no. you're like, oh, well, all this stuff makes stuff when you put it together. Yeah. <laughs> People actually buy flour. 
Yeah. Why yeah. would anyone buy flour? How do you I've, think those chocolate chip cookies become come to reality, Christian? They go to Nestle, <laughs> and Nestle makes them into cookies. Huh. Or Chips Ahoy or All the cookies I've Doesn't made, believe in the Kalam argument all the, all for chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. <laughs> they just all, appear. Yeah. All, all the chocolate chip cookies I made for... No? I didn't see you make them, is all I'm going to say. <laughs> Wow, this really well, has... Like, a- well, I can't see God, so... <laughs> yeah. True, true. True. Oh my gosh, this totally... Cookies, cookies are not necessary, though. Oof. In terms of... In philosophical yeah. terms. Yeah, yeah. In, in more <laughs> colloquial terms, yes. Yes, for sure. For I would sure. say. Unless you have, like, a wheat allergy or gluten allergy. Or is or there... Dairy, are there yeah. wheat in cookies? I mean, yeah. That might expose yeah. me. <laughs> oh. Huh? You have to buy, like, wheat-free cookies? Yeah, because I mean, you have to, like, flour is made from wheat, so then... Yeah. That's well, true, yeah. it just depends, yeah. I didn't think about that. <laughs> I don't know, it just depends. I mean, the cookies I make... I live in cornfields. Is it mostly wheat out here, Hannah? It's, it's... No, it's mostly corn. Mostly corn? Yeah, it's corn and... It's mostly just, corn everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the mid- Midwest. Corn oh. as far as the eye can see. <laughs> Y'all, welcome to our friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Corn. That's it. Corn. That's the, the basis of it. Yes. Well, thank you for um, coming on, um, for your support from the beginning, and yeah, just for sharing your story. Yes. You're welcome. It's really cool. I yep. think. And I'll edit out the doxing, and we should. Be good. <laughs> I think just as like you know, as a, someone who's grown up in the faith, it's easy to take a lot of this stuff for granted. So it's True. nice to. It's like a fresh look. Mm-hmm. It makes all this stuff more real. I'm excited for midnight mass. Yes. Yes. That's me too. Exciting. Yeah. Are, are you guys going to? Yes, we're going to the place. The place. <laughs> the, the, place. the place with the thing. I feel like we're, we're in Rome right now. Like, we'll, you'll be at the, uh, you know, in the what are they called? The, the uh, crypt. The catacombs. The catacombs. Yeah. <laughs> All I could think was cataclysm in the cataclysm. Oh, that doesn't work. Yeah. Yes. In the catacombs. I'm super excited for it. I think they were marked be... like I'll be in four B. <laughs> yeah, actually, I mean, you'd probably need to get there early, so. Uh, to the yeah. catacombs, yeah. <laughs> you don't want to be late, the last person coming in. <laughs> oh, no. That takes a whole other reality. Oh, no. All right, do you want to maybe close this with the, our closing before yeah. this cube continues before to this digress? Before this continues to devolve here. <laughs> All right, so from St. Mm. Catherine of Siena. We've had enough exhortations to be silent. Cry out with a thousand tongues. I see the world is rotten because of silence. Thanks for everyone for listening thank you again christian for coming on and we will see you on our next episode in the new year yeah good night i know that y'all loved bye bye Bye. (laughs) thanks for listening to caritas christi if you'd like to write to us with hot takes feedback advice or advice requests we would love to hear from you email us at caritas dot christy 31 at gmail.com that's caritas dot christy 31 at gmail.com thanks for listening and we will see you next thursday